We're going to start there at verse 12. Genesis chapter 37, verse, verse 12. And his brother went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here am I. And he said to him, he said to him Go, I pray thee, See whether it be well with thy brethren, well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him again, or sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. So uh, last week I, I, I preached a sermon on Joseph as a teenager. And what we found out that Joseph was uh, very well loved of his dad. His dad gave him a coat of many colors, and his brothers hated him for that. And his brothers spoke evil against him. And uh, the Lord started showing Joseph through dreams that his brothers one day would bow down to him. And of course, being a teenager, Joseph ran and told them, Hey, this is what I dreamed. You're going to bow down to me one day. And the Bible, of course, said they hated him yet the more, which you don't blame him one bit for that. And then he had another dream that showed his mom and his dad and his brothers bowed down to him. And he went and told his mom and dad that. And his brothers overheard it. And his dad said, Am I going to bow down to you? Which is completely, in the Oriental culture, that's a complete big no-no. It would never happen. But uh, it was amazing that he, he, was, he was dreaming this. He's getting these prophecies. And it said they envied him the more there in verse 11. So in verse 12, we're going to pick it up this morning in verse 12. So Jesus Christ and Joseph are so much together in type. It's amazing all the particulars that Joseph has in, has in type to Jesus Christ. It's almost like Joseph's story is just God writing out Jesus' story before he was born, almost uh, 17, 1800 years later. But as you notice here in verse 12, that the brethren, these brothers, these evil brothers, the brothers are living in sin, they go off and they go to Shechem. And they're supposed to be down in Shechem feeding their father's flocks. But they don't end up being there, and we're going to find that out. In verse 13, Joseph is told to go to see, find his brethren. In verse 13 and 14. And he says, go and find your brother and go tell me what, what's going on with them and bring me back word again. Jesus Christ was sent by his father to find out about his brethren, to give a report of his brethren. He was sent by his father, to, to, uh, Jesus Christ was sent by his father to find out about the brethren. Also, Joseph was ready to do his father's will. He says in verse 13, Here am I. And he said, he said to him, Here am I. So Joseph was sent by his father, and he was ready, always ready to go do his father's will. And Jesus Christ, in the same way, was always ready, always ready to do his, father, his Father's will. When he was 12 years old, Mary and Joseph lost Jesus Christ, and they ended up finding him in the temple. And what did Jesus Christ tell Mary whenever he, he, she showed up to find him, and she kind of got onto him for disappearing? He said, don't you know I need to be about my Father's business? And he wasn't talking about Joseph, talking about his Heavenly Father. Later on, he said, not my will, but thy will be done, Father. Jesus Christ said, guys, as a Christian, you're a, a child of God, and when the God the Father asks you to do something for Him, and there's times in our life, we don't know, I can't tell you what it's going to be, but He'll ask you to do something for Him. You need to say simply, here am I. Lord, here am I. Verse 14, and He said to him, Go, I pray thee, see whether it will be well with thy brethren, and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So He sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and He came to Shechem. Verse 15, And a certain man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? 
And he said, Joseph said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. Jesus Christ, just like Joseph, has been sent to seek his brethren. Joseph, by, the, like Joseph has, by his father, has been seeking the brethren, has gone out to seek his brethren, and Jesus Christ, when he comes into this world, Jesus Christ has came, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus Christ's mission on this world was to seek lost sinners. And he's out seeking you. And I'm so glad our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ seeks us, and we don't have to seek him. Because I know I was at the time of my life before I got saved, I wasn't seeking God. I wasn't, look, I wasn't going to church. I wasn't looking for God. I wasn't seeking for God. But God was seeking for me. And I thank the Lord for that. That the story is not that God has set up something for you to go to. God has set up, uh, brought you a Savior, and He's looking for you. He's like Joseph. He's looking for you. He's seeking for His brethren. And I'm so glad of that. You know, I was reading a story about Dwello Moody, and he was preaching about this same type of subject, about Jesus Christ seeking the lost. And he was at this big, big tent revival. Now, this is back in the late 1800s, big old tent revival. And a police officer brought up this little boy that had been found. And he, this little boy had been wandering in the crowd. And he didn't know where his parents were. And, he, and, and Dwello Moody, he got that little boy, and he carried that little boy, and he's up on stage with that little boy. And he goes, this little boy belongs to one of you. And he's looking for his father, but he goes, but I guarantee you, the father's more interested in finding this little boy than this little boy is to finding his father. Isn't that so true? When we've lost our kids in a department store, or God forbid, at, at somewhere, and we just get kind of start getting scared. Where, where'd so-and-so go? Where, where are they at? You know, we, that's the way the father is towards us. And when he had that little boy in his hands, about that time, here comes, a, uh, here comes a dad over to the edge of the stage, and the dad comes over to the edge of the stage, and Dwaldo Moody sees the dad, and, and Dwaldo Moody puts the boy down, and the boy runs over to his dad, and the dad puts his arms out, and the boy jumps into the dad's arms. And, the, and, and this story said that the whole crowd just roared up and cheering, yay! It was a, grad, uh, it was a happy reunion. Dwight Moody said, that's how the Father's ready to receive you. Amen. If you'll just come running to Him. I'm so glad the Father's seeking us. I'm still glad the Father seeks lost sinners. And so many sinners don't even realize they're lost. They don't even realize that they're being sought after. This one woman had her uh, little girl and they're at a store and she lost her little girl and she got on the intercom and said, well, Mary Moore, uh, the little Mary Moore who's lost, will she, still, will she please come to the front? And her mother waited up front, and her little daughter never came. And then finally, she found her little daughter, and she said, Didn't you hear them call you on the, on the speaker? Didn't you hear them call for Mary Moore? She goes, Yeah, Mama, I heard, but I'm not lost. <laughs> I wasn't lost. I'm not that Mary Moore. That's what some people say in their heart. Yeah, the Lord's seeking lost sinners, but I, I'm not that sinner. Yeah, you are. Yes, 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 ma'am, yes, sir, you are that sinner. Jesus goes over mountaintops. Jesus goes through the sea. Jesus will stop at nothing to seek for lost sinners. Amen. You say, how do you believe that, brother, pa uh, brother Keegan? How do you believe that, brother Pastor? How do you believe that? What makes you think that Jesus Christ is willing to go over every mountain and willing to go through the sea to seek for lost sinners? All you have to do is look at that wall right there, the missionary board. How many young men, young women, how many old men, old women has God called in their heart to go over to a foreign land 
And I read you some of these uh, prayer letters where brothers and sisters, they have to go two, three hours in a Jeep, and then they go up in the mountain, and then they have to walk the other hour to get down to a village just to tell them about Jesus Christ. That's Jesus Christ seeking the lost. He'll, do, he'll stop at nothing to seek the lost. Because what happens when Joseph shows up seeking his brethren, they're not there. They're supposed to be in Shechem. Verse 15, And a certain man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brethren. Tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. And the man said, They are departed hence. For I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. They weren't where they were supposed to be. They were supposed to be in Shechem, helping the flocks. Dothan is that secret place that people go to commit their sin. Dothan is that place where you go that your father doesn't know about. And you're going to do those wicked things that you don't want your father to find out about. That's what Dothan represents here. And what I want to point out to you is that Joseph could have turned around and went back to his father and said, I can't find my brethren. You told me they were in Shechem and I went to Shechem, but they're nowhere to be found. But Joseph didn't do that. Joseph, when he looked for his brethren and couldn't find them and wandering around seeking them, a man came up and said, what are you looking for? And he said, I'm looking for my brethren. He said, I overheard them. They're going to Dothan. And Joseph could have went back and told his father, hey, they weren't there at Shechem, but they went to Dothan. But Joseph went the extra miles. Joseph went the extra 10 miles. Jesus Christ will come looking for you in your Dothan. If you're in your Dothan and you're surrounded and you don't think anybody can see your sin and nobody knows what's going on in your heart, God will come and look for you in your Dothan. He wants you. He's seeking for you. And even if you go as far as you can away from the Father, Jesus Christ is still going to come looking for you in your Dothan. Look at verse 18. And when they saw him afar off, this is his brother, and they see him coming up. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. So they're off in Dothan, and they're away, real, real far away from the Father, and nobody knows where they're at, nobody knows what's going on, and they see their brother coming up, and they're like, man, let's, let's just kill this guy. How wicked can you get your own brother? But we studied last week and read last week where, man, uh, Joseph was just not very liked by his brother because he was so favored. And they envied him so much. And this is the warning I gave last sermon at the very end of that sermon is be careful for envy. The envy that gets rooted in your heart. Whatever envy that you might envious people of somebody's money, of envious of their, of their good favor, of their looks, of their beauty, of, of their smarts, of their intelligence, of their car, of their house, of their, or their car, of their clothes. You might be envious of all multiple different things, but envy is a very deadly sin that gets rooted in your heart, and it can lead to things you would never imagine. And it's leading his own brothers to conspire to kill him. How amazing is that? Does this stuff go on today? It most surely does. Brother kills brother every day. Mothers kill fathers. Fathers kills mothers. Fathers kill kids. Kills, kids kill their fathers. Murder's going on all the way. That's how you know the devil's still running in this world. The father of murders. The devil is still at work. Verse 19, And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer coming. <laughs> they got a little nickname for him. They call him the dreamer. The dreamer. This dreamer, he coming. 
Guys, if you start doing what's right by the Lord, if you start living for the Lord God, they're going to give you nicknames. They're going to start calling you nicknames. Oh, here comes old Bible thumper. Yeah. Here comes the old do-gooder. Here comes the old holy roller. They're going to give you nicknames. And now today is we've living in 2019. You know what the bad nickname they give us? They think it's really, really wicked. They call us Christian. They use Christian like it's a cuss word. Well, these Christians, these Christians going about doing it, these Christians are always, they always use Christians like they're cussing somebody. I'm proud to be a Bible thumper. <laughs> it don't bother me one bit. I've been called a lot worse than that. I mean, yo, get in line, man. I, I remember I've been divorced. I've been called a lot worse than do-gooder, you know. Just get in line, man. I've got a lot of enemies. Just to, to take a number, you know. But that's what they're going to do to you. And some of us are a real, I know some of us are very, very kind. And that's a good thing. God bless you for being so gentle. God bless y'all. Some of y'all are so sweet and nice. And, you know, everything is, I don't know, brother. But there's some of, the, some of y'all out. We got some visitors that might be in here that might, you know, some of these young girls back there is real sweet, real kind, real nice. They don't expect people to talk back behind their back. They don't, they, you know, that's life. That's just life. And you know what? Is when, the older you get, the more it doesn't bother you, right? I want to get so old that I don't care anymore like Brother Raymond. That's what I want to get. That's right. Amen. This, don't, care, don't care one bit. Don't care anything. Okay. Well, I'm going to move on if I get in trouble. All right. Verse 20. Come now, therefore. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him. And cast him into some pit, and we will say, Some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. Oh, yeah. See, that's what the, the dream that God had given them was a prophecy to Joseph that he would one day rule over them, and he, they would bow down to him in obstinance. So they said, We want to get rid of this dream. We want to, this guy's telling us this. Let's just kill him. And throw him in the, in the pit, and we'll tell our dad that some evil beast got him, and you know what? It don't, we can get rid of these dreams, and then we'll see what happens. I'm going to tell you a secret, guys. No matter how hard you try, you're not going to get rid of God's words. Amen. And when God pronounces something or God gives a prophecy, it will come to pass. Amen. There's no doubt about it. It will come to pass. It's going to come to pass, these dreams that Joseph will have. If they're from God, it will come to pass, and there's no matter what you do, or how, who you kill, or how many people you think you can kill, it's going to come to pass. Don't you know that when Hitler was, kill, Hitler was killing six million Jews, trying to wipe out the Jewish race, don't you know somewhere somebody had said, well, God had prophesied that he was going to bring them back, and Hitler said, yeah, right, watch this, I'm going to kill six million of them. And he did. And in 1948, God says, I have a nation again. Just about two or three years later. What do you think about that, Hitler? I thought you were going to do, get rid of the Jewish race. They're stronger than they ever were. They're so strong now, they got their own nation. And they have never looked back. Amen. Seventy years later, praise the Lord. God's words are sure and you can count on them. 
And when God gives you something in His Word that says, I will keep you, I will never forsake you, I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, God will keep you and God will never forsake you. Now, it's going to seem like He's going to, and you're going to go through trials in your life and storms in your life where it's going to seem like, well, where's God at? But don't worry, His Word is true, and it will come to pass. Now, verse 21, and Reuben heard it. This is the oldest brother, the firstborn, Reuben, he heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him, deliver him to his father again. So Reuben, he kind of concocted this scheme, and he's going to play a little game with them. And he's saying, you know, let's just throw him in this pit. And what his plan was, he's going to come. He had to go somewhere. He's leaving or doing something. And he's going to come back. Then he's going to take Joseph and escape with him. And Reuben's just playing a game. And it's not going to work out like Reuben thinks. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. Look at verse 23, though. It came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. Jesus Christ was stripped of his garments. Jesus Christ was stripped of all his garments and they put on a, a purple robe to mock him. And when Jesus Christ was took to the crucifixion, they stripped him down completely naked. That's one thing we don't understand. When you see the pictures of Jesus Christ, for decency's sake, they always put a little strip of cloth over here in his, over his privates, right below his belly. But you've got to understand, according to the Bible, Jesus Christ was hanging on the cross naked. That's in front of his brothers, in front of his sister, in front of his mother. Naked. For all the world to see. The world will strip you and leave you naked. And that's what the brothers of Joseph have done, just like they do later on to Jesus Christ. So he stripped Joseph out, and look, look at verse 24. And they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. He said the pit was empty. No water in it. What's interesting about that is Jesus Christ, when he's on the cross, he had no water. He said, I thirst. But what we found out about verse 24 is when they took him, they cast him down into the pit. We find out later on in Genesis chapter 42, and I'm going to read that to you. Later on in the story, and we'll get to this later, maybe one of these days, Genesis 42, 21, that they said, uh, the brothers were talking about this back, back when this happened. But we're, what we're reading right now, later on, they're, with, they're around Joseph. And this is before they knew it's Joseph, when they run into Joseph as a second ruler of Egypt. And they said one to another, We are verily guilty concerning our brother, in that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us, and we would not hear. Therefore is this distress come upon us. They remember it. They remember this time that we're reading about, verse 24. And that verse... Uh, chapter 42, verses 21, that tells you that, it gives you a little bit more insight what's going on. When Joseph is thrown down in the pit, he just wasn't laying there quiet. Joseph was crying out, Oh, why? Y'all help me out. Uh, come on, guys. Let me out of here. I, I'm scared. Guys, why are you doing this to me? Why are you? And he started crying and weeping. And there was nobody there to save him. In anguish. Sometimes when we get down into the pits of our lives, that's when we start to question God. And don't you know Joseph started questioning God? <laughs> Amen, he did. 
This is a guy that had the coat of many colors. He's blessed. Everything's going wonderful. It's so wonderful that God's giving him dreams that everybody's going to bow down before him. Look, I'm Joseph. Everybody's going to love me. Everybody's going to bow down before me. And it wasn't too long after that that he's laying in a pit and they're trying to kill him. And he's crying out, oh, help me, help me, help me. And they're all looking at him and laughing. We're not going to help you. What about your dreams now? Don't you think he didn't question God? Don't you think he didn't say, God, I thought... I was well favored. Yes, he did question God. There's no doubt about it. The one thing you need to remember about those dreams of his brothers bound down and about the dreams of his mother and father bound down, those dreams, those prophecies never mention the suffering. But, they, but yet they were true. And... As we begin this series on Joseph, I tried to warn you and I tried to teach you and I tried to show you and we're going to learn this as we go through the story of Joseph is the most important thing, most important lesson you'll get out of this story of Joseph is that suffering comes before glory. And as we walk through this life, some of us suffer more than others, but you will suffer and you're going to suffer, but just hang in there, there's glory to come. But suffering must take place. And just because God is glory, just because we know God's promised us a heaven and God's promised us a mansion and we got a glory land and we sing about glory land and praise the Lord for that. But there is suffering that takes place going to that glory land. We're living in a sinful body, we're living in a sinful world, and suffering does happen. Suffering comes before glory. One of the most important lessons out of the story of Joseph. And don't you know that he. As he lay in that pit, wondered, what were all these dreams that I dreamed? What were all these words of God that he gave me? What, what it, don't you know he questioned it? Brothers and sisters, when you get down in the pit, when the, the pit of life comes, when the storms of life come, you need to cling that much closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to cling that much closer to the Word of God. And you need to, you need to not doubt God's Word. You need to say, I, I believe you, God, and I believe your Word, and I'm going to stick with you no matter what. If I'm going through cancer, if I'm going through financial problems, I'm going through emotional problems, I know these are problems, I know it's a storm, but I'm going to stick with you because I know in the end I'll get glorified in Jesus Christ. Say, Brother Keegan, it's real easy for you to preach it. Yeah, I've lived some of it. That's why I preach it. I've lived it, and I've clung to him, and I've never, ever been ashamed of it. And I I tell you what, right now, guys, uh, when I've run into people, talk to people, those people that are willing to cling to the Lord and to his promises, they they take they things are so much easier on them, things are so much more peaceful, they have so much more of a of a glory. I'm not saying that they're not suffering. But they're suffering, but they're suffering with, the Jesus, with Jesus Christ. And there's a difference there. Amen. Than suffering without Jesus Christ. It's real easy to look at verse 24 when Joseph is down in the pit. And we know how the story is going to end. Joseph is going to end in the right place, right? He's going to end as second in command. Joseph is going to get glorified. Joseph is going to come out to be one of the greatest characters in the Bible. But you don't know it now. We're looking at, we're we're like God, we're looking at the end of the story. God can look at the end of your story. God is not in time. He's outside of time. God says, I can look at the end and everything's going to work out great. But we're stuck in the moment. And since we're, we're finite beings that are stuck in time and we're stuck in the moment, at this moment, you might be down in the pit. At that moment with Joseph, he couldn't imagine what was to come. 
But God is there to tell him through the Holy Spirit, everything's going to be okay. You're going to be glorified. Everything's going to be okay. Just hang in there. If Joseph was to die right there, he still was going to be glorified. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. One of the greatest statements in the whole Bible. Verse 25, and they sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked. It says they sat down to eat bread. They did the same thing to Jesus Christ. They sat down and watched Jesus Christ when he was on the cross. And behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? <laughs> They're going to make money off of him. The world will try to make merchandise of you, brothers and sisters. The world wants to make money off of you. It's all about money. Uh, they want to make money off your needs, as seen on TV. Every, every commercial, as seen on TV, and what I mean by that, they always had that thing, some device, and they always show them doing amazing things. You know, it might be some glue, and they put glue up on some little board, and it's holding up a 20,000-pound truck, you know. And then when you go to the store and buy that, that glue, it won't hold together two popsicle sticks, you know. And you wonder, what happened here? They show this pan on TV. I'm not going to mention it because they might sue me, but they showed this pan on TV, some, some pan, and I'll just say it was made out of copper. It never sticks. Oh, look at this. Oh, you, it never sticks. And they're burning stuff in there, and he just slides it off and everything. I bought that. The first time I used it, it didn't stick. And I was, I was bragging to my wife, look, this thing's amazing. Second time I used it, it stuck, and it never has stopped sticking. When it stopped sticking on me, and that's with me putting some grease sometimes, it would still, still try to stick. You know when it stopped sticking on me? is the day I got rid of it. They made merchandise of me. They took advantage of me. That's the way the world does you. They take advantage of your health. It's a sad thing we live in America where the health care system seems to be trying to take advantage of our pocketbook. The more, they're more, they care more for our pocketbook than they care for our health. And I'm not every doctor's that way, not every pharmaceutical company's that way, but it seems that way when you go to pay, pay your medicine, pay your bills, and it's so expensive, so incredibly expensive. I love what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ says at the end of the book of Revelation. He says, you come and take this water of life, and you come and take it freely. That's what I love about the Lord God. He doesn't charge you a dime. Amen. He doesn't charge you a dime. They're going to make a profit off of him. Verse 27. Verse 27. Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh, and his brethren were content. Come and let us sell him. All they see you as dollar signs. You know some of y'all, y'all walk around, and people see other people as nothing but dollar signs. It's like a big dollar sign walking around. And the only reason they're nice to you, the only reason they're kind to you is because they can get money off of you. But as soon as they can't get money off of you, they're not going to be nice to you anymore. You're seeing this in Hollywood right now. For years and years, Hollywood wanted to do what they wanted to do, but they didn't do it because they knew the Christians would not buy their stuff, and the Christians would revolt against them, and the Christians would sometimes would boycott what they were doing, so they would not do what they really wanted to do, so they were putting out stuff that was clean and stuff that was cleaner. 
But as the world's gotten wicked and wicked and the world doesn't care anymore, you see the stuff is so nasty, so filthy, you can't even watch the movies anymore. They don't care about you anymore because they're not making money off you anymore. And you see what they're doing. They, they, they just look at you as one big dollar sign. But in verse 27, something very interesting takes place with the brothers here. Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. Look, and let, us, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. They want to feel innocent about getting rid of him. They want to get rid of him. They want to run him off, but they want to feel innocent while they're doing it. In other words, they want something bad to happen to him, but they want to say, well, I didn't do it. We call, this in the, uh, we call this in America, we call this being an accessory to a crime. Amen. You might not have committed that crime, but if you helped that crime get committed, you're just as guilty. Amen. You're just as guilty. Just because you didn't actually commit the crime doesn't mean you're innocent. You are just as guilty. Brothers and sisters, let us not be accessory to other people's sins. Don't, let, don't be an enabler, is the term they'll use. Don't let us help be the people that help somebody commit a sin. I had a, a lady I knew, and I knew her son really well, but her son was underage. I actually taught her son in Sunday school. And I remember in that Sunday school class, I specifically remember I taught against smoking. And I showed all the reasons why you shouldn't smoke and all the reasons why it'll, 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 it'll kill you and what God has to say about your body being the temple uh, uh, the Holy Ghost, and I, I was teaching in that class. Also, I taught that I put up a, on the, I had a, bill, a board there, and I wrote on the board if you paid $3 a pack for your cigarettes, which I guess it's more than that now, but $3 a pack and you smoked a pack a day, how much that adds up to. Like, in other words, I'm trying to say don't start smoking, young teenager, because it's going to cost you a lot of money. You might not do it for any other reason, but if you want to save money, don't do it. See, I tried to reach them in every way. Well, a couple of years later, her son was still underage, and we were at this uh, some place, and her, her, she came up and she told me, will you run down and buy a pack of cigarettes for my son? Because her son was smoking cigarettes at that time, and he's underage, and she said, will you run down there, run him down there, so, and I'll give you the money, and you buy a pack of cigarettes for him. And I said, no. I don't think he should be smoking, and I'm not going to do it. And you had thought I'd cussed her out. She got so furious with me and so mad with me. But I felt like a hypocrite. Hey, here's a kid I've been telling you, don't smoke, don't smoke. Now let me go down and buy you some cigarettes. No, I didn't want to be no part of it. So what does that tell you? Don't ask Brother Keegan to go buy your cigarettes. <laughs> and don't ask Brother Keegan to go buy your beer. <laughs> you were just about to ask me, weren't you? You know what's sad? Years later, and I'm talking about maybe six, seven years later, I ran into that same woman, and she said, will you pray for my son, that same boy? She said, he's smoking weed, and he can't stop smoking pot. He's about to lose his job. Will you pray for him? And I said, yeah, I will. But it was kind of ironic that now she had been an accessory to what he was doing, and it was catching up. She can't look at me and say, why don't you go buy him cigarettes? She can't blame me. Guys, let's not, let us not be accessory to other people's sins. You're still just as guilty. It's real easy to make excuses. Sin is sin. 
And for some reason, I don't know if it's in the church too, but I know it's in the world, people make a mock of sin. People, look, people make fun of me for being a teetotaler. I told you earlier about them calling you names. They call me all kinds of names because I don't drink. You don't drink anything? No, I don't drink. I'm weird. I grew up in a generation where that's what a Christian didn't do. But I promise you, if they drove by my house and I was sitting out in front of my lawn and I had a beer in my hand, I guarantee you it would be all over Facebook within an hour. I saw the preacher with a beer in his hand. I thought you didn't think there was anything wrong with drinking. Why are you judging me? You're judging me because you know there's something wrong with that and I shouldn't be doing it. If I'm not supposed to be doing it, you shouldn't be doing it. Listen, guys. Sin is sin. It hasn't changed. Not one bit. How I got on to beer and drinking, I don't know, but I guess somebody did hear it. Verse 28, Then there passed by Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph into Egypt. Now, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, he was sold for silver too by Judas Iscariot. See how all this is tying together? It's amazing. It's just flat amazing. Verse 29, And Reuben returned unto the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit. And he rent his clothes, and he returned unto his brethren, and said, This child is not, and I, whither shall I go? Joseph gives us a, gives us a great uh, picture. Uh, Joseph teaches us a great lesson there. And that lesson is, is, don't be fooling around with sin. Don't be playing games with sin. Don't be trying to outsmart sin. All, all Reuben had to do was Reuben, all Reuben had to do was say, "You're not killing Joseph. He's coming with me, and I'm taking him back to his dad." And that would have been the end of the story. They would have had to kill Reuben and. But for whatever reason, Joseph, I mean, Reuben started this little game where I'll throw him in a pit and then I'll come back later. And he starts making these, this little game out of it. And he starts trying to be too cute. And he starts thinking he's going to outfool them. And he don't fool nobody. And in the end, he's brokenhearted because he knows, man, I was right there. I had him. And now they've sold him off. Where did Reuben go? Nobody knows. What was so important to Reuben that he's going to leave his brother there that they're wanting to kill and go off somewhere else? Do you see how Reuben is playing around with sin? He's not taking sin serious like he should have took it. When somebody says, I'm going to kill them, see that guy right there? I'm going to kill him. And Reuben knows that they really mean it. He should have took Joseph and said, come on, you come with me. But for whatever reason, Reuben says, hey, just throw him in a pit and I'll come back. He's playing a game. Why, why is he playing a game? This costs Joseph all that time. Joseph is sold into bondage. Joseph goes down to Egypt. And Reuben's the only one that could have saved him. And Reuben didn't do it. Christian, we need to be faithful to taking care and stomping out sin. When sin's sin, make a stand. Amen. It wasn't going to be easy for Reuben. Like I told you, there's, there's ten other brothers right there. If Reuben stands up and says, no, you're not killing him, they might have turned on Reuben and Joe. He might have lost his life. And later on, he's going to say, I'll give my life to his dad later on in the story, which is interesting. He could have did it right there. He could have offered it right there, and he just played around, and he's heartbroken over it. Verse 31 Let's close this up. And they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goats and dipped the coat in the blood. 
Our Lord and Savior's garments are going to be covered in blood. Yeah, amen. And it's the blood of his enemies. It's not going to be the blood of a goat. In a sense, it will be the blood of a goat, just in a sense that it will be the blood of a goat, in a sense that the sinner is a goat and not a lamb. He's dipped the coat in the blood. If you, want, if you don't know those verses, where his, I'll give them to you. Uh, let's see where I have it right here. Isaiah 63, look at, uh, don't turn there, but if you don't have these already, but it's in Isaiah chapter 63, verses 1 through 6. And of course, Revelation 19, 13 talks about Jesus Christ uh, uh, having a vesture dipped in blood, just like Joseph. See, all this stuff points to Jesus. So they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goats and dipped the coat in the blood to make it look like he'd been marred, uh, mauled up. And they sent the coat of many colors and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found, known now, whether it be thy son's coat or no. And he knew it. Jacob knew it and said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph, Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. You got to really read your Bible before this takes place to understand how horrible this is. Because Jacob is having what the world likes to call karma happen to him. The world call it, calls, it, calls it, sometimes the world will call it karma. Some people will say, what comes around goes around. The Bible says, whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Jacob had deceived his dad and had fooled his dad. And this is exactly what's come back on Jacob. Jacob had done the same thing to his dad, and now it was happening to him. He was getting fooled. He'd already been fooled once before by Laban. So it came back on him twofold. Christian, that should warn you, and that should scare you. When you're doing your sin, God's not going to let you get away with it. You're going to have to answer for it. You need to get that sin and put it on the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The reason why they talk about karma and they say what comes around goes around and why the Bible says, whatsoever man soweth that shall he also reap because that's a law of the universe. That's as much as the law as gravity. You will pay unless you get it under the blood of Jesus Christ. We need to get that stuff under the blood of Jesus Christ for forgiveness. So in uh, verse 34, Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. Joseph is assumed dead, just like our Lord and Savior was assumed dead. And Joseph is going to show back up. He's going to show up as second in command, as a, as a literal king. And our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is assumed dead right now by the world, but he's going to show back up. Amen. And they don't think they're going to have to bow down to him. And they're mocking him, they're making fun of him. If they could, they would kill Jesus Christ, but he's going to show back up that second time. And he's going to be a king. Father, the, the Father, the Son, second in command. And He's going to be the ruler of the world. And they will be bowing down to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, how wonderful. How wonderful is our book that we read. How wonderful is our Bible that we read. How amazing, how well put together, how incredibly designed is this book that we read. Verse 35. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him. That's talking about Jacob. But he refused to be comforted, and he said, For I will go down into the grave, and of my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. And the Midianites sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's, and captain, captain of the guard. Lord willing, we will pick up Joseph's story someday.
Might not be next week, but we'll pick it up someday and we'll pick up what happens to Joseph. If you, if you can't wait, open up your Bible and you can read ahead. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for seeking us. Father, thank you for your words. And Father, Lord, I just thank you that you come all the way to Dothan to find us. And that you're willing to be thrown in a pit, Lord. You're willing to be killed. You're willing to be sold into bondage, Lord God, to get us out. And Father, I just thank you of the beautiful, beautiful tops of Joseph. Father, and I thank you for, for men and women, Lord God, that love you and want to come into your house and worship you and sing songs to you, Lord God. Father, I ask a special blessing on them this morning. And Father, if there's somebody underneath the sound of my voice that's never received Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, they don't know if they were to die tonight, if they'd go to heaven or hell. Father, I just pray when we give this invitation that they'll realize that they'll just come on down the aisle and repent, knowing they're a sinner, and take Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, Father, that you'll save them. And Lord, you put that promise in your book that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank you for that promise, Lord. Thank you for, for it being whosoever. And Lord, we want to thank you for it being free as a gift. And I'm praying this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now it's an amazing verse of course talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it and if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. Same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell.
Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.